Thank you for joining us for another episode of CryptoCurrent. Just one quick reminder. CryptoCurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the CryptoCurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Richard, the team, and their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow his financial advice. This show and any other cryptocurrency production is exclusively for informational purposes. What's going on, everybody? For Cryptocurrent, my name is Stephen Miller, and you're watching Cryptocurrent Live, the show where we bring you the latest and greatest in the world of crypto and help the beginners understand a little bit more of what's going on in the space. I am joined today, as always, by my co-host, Richard Carthon. Richard, how are we doing today? Doing good, Steve. Um, seeing a lot of sideways momentum still going. So hopeful that we can see a breakthrough in the positive direction, but we could see it breakdown as well. But hey, we're in no man's land. So let's speculate while we can. How about you? Oh, uh, look, man, there's a lot going on in the world of crypto today. I'm not terribly worried. I still think that we are looking at a lot of you know, more sideways movement than anything. There's just a big announcement that's coming up um, in the world of crypto that is going to be shaking everyone quite a bit. And that, of course, is Coinbase NFT. So I'm really curious to see how the markets react once that launches. I think a lot more money is about to pour in, uh, but we're going to have to play that one out. But look, if you guys are here joining us for the very first time for an edition of Cryptocurrent Live, we release this show two times a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. Eastern time. But we also recast this show on our podcast, which you can find on any of your preferred podcast platforms. So do us a favor, make sure you subscribe here on YouTube, follow wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and also please hit that like button because we want to make sure that we get this content out in front of as many people as possible. So on today's show, let's go ahead and dive into this, Rich. We have Walmart getting into crypto. And also, we're going to touch on in our crypto decrypted segment today, the best... Oh, I'm sorry, actually blockchain bets. We're going to talk about the best safe havens in crypto. We'll keep um, crypto decrypted secret for now. How about that? But we, we have... We like to start out every single one of these shows by talking buy, seller, hodl, the latest, greatest news in crypto. So let's jump into it. Buy, buy sell, sell, or hodl. hodl. So like I said, we love to dive into the news here and give you our take on whether or not we have bullish news, bearish news, or just news that you got to watch. And that, of course, is done in buy, sell, or hodl. And our top story for the day is Walmart getting into the metaverse. So Rich, why don't you tell us a little bit about what this story has to offer? So Walmart is planning to create its own cryptocurrency and NFTs. Um, they have filed to trademark uh, to make and sell virtual goods. Um, the virtual goods filing um, includes electronics, home decorations, toys, sporting goods, and personal care products. Um, <laughs> 
something that you put in here, which I like, I agree with um, the great scramble to secure intellectual properties on. Um, a while back, you saw Nike starting to file some of its first patents so that it can keep all of its branding into the metaverse um, going. And you're seeing Walmart stepping into the, the void right now. And what's awesome and just shows where we're getting so much closer to market adoption. Walmart is one of the largest corporations in this country and employees, I think it's the biggest, one of the biggest employers uh, in the country as well. So the fact that they are already trying to make a metaverse play this early into like after the announcement of, of Facebook changing to meta, making a metaverse play. Oh, man, this, it's, it's the, the race is, is here. Uh, it, it, the, the gun has shot. The companies are coming. They're all going for a full-on sprint. I would not be surprised if we start seeing even more large corporations begin to make these types of announcements. But this is huge news for the industry. And I think we're going to continue to see even better uh, things to come from it. But how, how do you take this news? So I'm going to give you my take on it. But before I do, do me a favor. While I'm giving this take, check your audio settings. I think that you may be coming through your AirPods and study your mic. Um, but here's my take on the whole Walmart situation. This is not surprising to me at all. Um, I think that Walmart has been probably running in the background, figuring this out for months. I think I saw a demo of what shopping in a Walmart in the metaverse or in VR looks like four or five weeks ago. And I said, yeah, this is a no-brainer. This is where we are headed in terms of like e-commerce and the overall experience of shopping. Um, same time, my wife actually works at Walmart and we have conversations about this stuff all the time. I am fairly confident that you are going to start seeing way more like crypto integration at Walmarts basically because they are starting to see the fact that consumers want to spend in crypto. And at the same time, they want to be able to get their crypto locked down and in a safe way. And a lot of these, you know, consumers want to do that through these brand new Bitcoin ATMs that they've been trialing. So for those that don't know, they've been trialing Bitcoin ATMs nationwide at Walmarts. So you actually can go into a store and buy Bitcoin right now. Um, To me, I think that it's a no-brainer. Again, that's just my perception of it. I do agree though, this is the great scramble to secure IP. Um, All of these trademarks, that's what it spells out. But I... I'm really, really curious to see how they decide to roll out an NFT marketplace because we've already seen out of projects like Looks Rare that rolling out an NFT marketplace is not as easy as some might think. So yeah, um, it'll be it'll and, be interesting. The, well, something else I want to add to this is like the the talks around Web three keep coming up, and the metaverse. When people talk about the metaverse, this is Web three, and the race to try to get as big of a land share of Web3 before it really comes into adoption, a lot of companies are trying to do that. If you look at um, Web 2.0, so we're talking like, you know, social media and everything else, Facebook came and dominated. They, they, they put their foot in the ground and they dominated. And basically they're saying, look, Web3 is here and we're trying to go and dominate that too. And I think you're going to see a lot of corporations say, no, 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 no. We're all at the same level playing field right now. We need to jump all over this before we're left in the dust. And I really see like to see Walmart do this again, I think is absolutely amazing in how closer to adoption we are going to become. Yeah. I mean, look, you've had Nike jump in, you've had Adidas jump in. Now you have Walmart and they're 
going to be tons more that jump into this. It's just a matter of time. The dominoes are falling, falling the way that they should be. So if you think that you know Puma is not working on their next play, get real. If you think that Walmart's announcement of this is coming out and Amazon's announcement is not on their heels, you are missing something. So I think that's enough on the whole Walmart um, story. But thank you, by the way, for, che- for checking your audio. Our audio producer, Andrew, will be thanking you and praising you for changing that back over. Um, but let's jump in to um, our next set of stories. After Breaking news. Three pieces of massive news just across the desk. First of all, we have Coinbase announcing they'll be partnering with MasterCard to assist with credit card payments for purchasing NFTs on their upcoming Coinbase NFT platform and also rebranding the way that they speak about NFTs as you know, going from NFTs to talking about them as digital goods. Pretty interesting stuff there. The next piece of news is that OpenSea has successfully acquired Dharma, which is going to be a fiat on-ramp for Coinbase users. Third piece of news, arguably the biggest of the three, Microsoft has successfully acquired Activision Blizzard for $68.7 billion. Richard, there's a lot to unpack there. I want you to pick your favorite of the three, and then I'll touch on my favorite of the three. Man, uh... I kind of have two favorites. Well, the, the, the big story for me is that $68 billion acquisition. Like, kudos to Activision. As a longtime Call of Duty fan, um, that has been so, 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 so cool to see um, that franchise be able to, uh, and that and just all the other amazing games that, you know, they've been able to create. Um, to see this acquisition, um, it just... It's cool. It's cool to see. Of course, the CEO kind of you know came under fire and has some other things going on. I'm sure they're going to go and clean that up. But aside from that, man, that was just a, a really cool um, story to see come through. Like again, it shows how big gaming is. This is one of the biggest acquisitions ever, and it's in gaming. So, as you look to crypto, as you look to like what's going on, gaming is going to continue to be a buzzword because that is where a lot of time in dollars are spent. No question. Um, I find it really interesting because Microsoft has already said that they have ambitions within crypto gaming and metaverse. And this is going to enable them to do an entire game arm to bring all of Xbox gaming into the blockchain and really like start to see play to earn become a priority within the Xbox ecosystem. Whereas you have all these other gaming platforms and gaming companies saying, we're done. We don't want to touch it. I think this is Microsoft like saying in their own little way, we just acquired a gaming powerhouse so that we can do the thing that you guys are not willing to do. So that's the way I read it. Personally, I think the Coinbase news is enormous. No disrespect to OpenSea. I think that you need to fix a lot of things and Dharma may help you with that. But Coinbase partnering with MasterCard to provide a credit card payment platform for NFT purchases specifically Dude, that's insane. It's that, huge. Like that is going to bring so much more capital flying into the NFT space and NFT volume. If you thought what you saw on OpenSea was like amazing and incredible that they had the volume they had in August and then now just now in January, if you thought that was good, Coinbase NFT is going to be a freaking behemoth. 
it's going to do such insane volume and it's probably just going to be because of this. Like, can you imagine what people are going to do buying NFTs on credit? Oh my gosh, bro, the floodgates. People buy, do reckless buying all the time. And the fact that you're telling me, wait, I don't even have to, like my credit's good for it. So like these people can just run up their credit cards on all kinds of other things. Now, I don't, usually like with Coinbase right now, right? You have to have money in your uh, account to be able to to then go in and buy some crypto. And then you have to wait a couple of days for it to settle. And then you can send it. You're saying I can skip all those steps and immediately spend thousands of dollars on an NFT that I want to? Bro, dangerous. You want to talk about dangerous? Oh my gosh. Yeah, what's going to be even more dangerous is if they partner with somebody like Visa next. Because the, <laughs> the second that happens, I know I'm already making destructive decisions. The fact that I could process a cool cat transaction on my credit card means that I may have a cool cat, right? That's, that's an insane amount of capital. I'm not doing that. I'm trying to be responsible with my finances and spend it on NFTs and the um, other exchanges because I make destructive decisions anyway. But that is our breaking news. So let's move back into the NFT verse for a second and get into some of these non-fungible news stories. Um, the top of them to me is actually the story about Immutable X, which just announced they've surpassed $100 million of gasless trades. Really, if you think about it, Immutable X has been here for maybe two and a half months in terms of like really having their exchange live and having their token out there in the world. For right. them to get $100 million of NFT gasless transactions done. In hey, that real quick, Steve, what, is, what does that even mean? What is a gasless trade? Okay, so a gasless trade is something that nobody really um, could imagine being a thing if you've worked on the Ethereum network, right? Because you spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on gas transactions by buying NFTs on Ethereum. In the world of Immutable X, they use a scaling mechanism that makes it free to be able to transact in Ethereum and purchase NFTs. Who'd have thought? Um, Who'd have thought? It's using a system called ZK Rollups. Um, we'll talk about that on a different show. But I am... But just, really- just to reemphasize that, because I really want to stress how huge this is. They're building on top of the Ethereum network, but their transactions are still somehow free. Yep. That's huge. That's so, huge. So again, this all happens because they're logging these transactions technically offline. So it's not being logged on the chain at the moment of transaction. But instead, it's being validated by a scaling solution and then logged on the chain later. So it's really interesting to see how they're doing this. But I think that's a massive um, milestone for Immutable X and a very bright future ahead for NFT um, fans everywhere. The next piece actually has to do with OpenSea. Shocker. We're talking about non-fungible news and OpenSea is coming up. Um, We officially have surpassed the mark of 1 million OpenSea traders. Kind of an insane um, stat, but what's even more insane is that China is now willing to allow their citizens to have property. So in China, they're legalizing NFTs now. Who'd have thought? Oh my gosh. But see, like with something like this, Steve, this is why it's going to be important that these onboarding ramps, um, these pretty much got to be exchanges. You got to be able to go straight from currency straight to the NFT because right now as things state, you have to go and buy a crypto and then go and exchange that for an NFT, which China's banning all crypto. So it's like, well, how are we going to do this? So the way that I see this running is that there's going to have to be a direct way to ramp onto 
some sort of NFT exchange and be able to purchase these. Have you heard of the digital one? I sure have. CBDCs, baby. Yep. I've got a feeling that's exactly what this is about. And there was rumors earlier on uh, last week that China was actually going to be doing their own kind of NFT exchange to facilitate all this. Equally shocking, right? Yeah. Uh, they love having control over their people, man. Like I, it blows my mind um, why you would allow that. But hey, um, not my country, not my problem. But that's just from my mouth to your ears. The next piece of news in non-fungible land is that the Australian Open is making their move into the metaverse by launching a massive series of NFTs um, associated with this year's Australian Open, um, which I find really interesting because the Australian Open is also right now in the middle of massive controversy, um, namely because the nation itself has rejected the greatest tennis player in the world from coming in due to um, virus conditions because we can't say the actual name of the virus on YouTube. That's right. Um, I think it's interesting. Like the fact that you have a major sports association and um, specific open putting their foot in the ring. Like, what do you think of this? They're going to be, they're, they're seeing what the NBA is doing. They're seeing what the NFL is doing. They're seeing like these other MLB has done and they've seen the money that has come from it. And they're like, why wouldn't we do this? And the short answer is should be. And so it's just a matter of time before you see all like major sports professional leagues start to do the same. Like, I think especially uh, once the MLS, uh, well, the year, like international soccer leagues start getting into this, man, you're going to see this start taking off even, even more. Yeah, no question. And the final piece of news in non-fungibles this week is that Mercedes-Benz has decided to celebrate its G-Class with an upcoming NFT series. Not a lot of details are available yet on this one, folks, but if you want to hear more about it, please let us know in the comments below and we'll make sure that we follow up on this one in very short order. Mercedes said they could not be outdone by Lamborghini. We dropped that news last week. Mercedes was like, Haha, I got you. Dude, that is so true. <laughs> So we're going to get into the lightning round here. And this is just the uh, other stories that we really want to cover quickly. So you're aware of them. If you want us to cover these in any further depth, again, hit us up in the chat, let us know in the comments, and we will do so. Um, First one off the top, really, really concerning news out of crypto.com earlier today. And that is that apparently there's been some suspicious activity and a user's account had been basically hacked and they stole something like 4.3 Ethereum, which to you and me, that's a lot of money. To a a big whale, that's nothing. But the interesting thing is like their security team has gone around and looked at it from all angles. And they think that they managed to like make their way in through an undetected means, which means that they got around two-factor authentication. This is the first time we've ever experienced something like this, if it actually is true. Mm -hmm. And there's not something more to this story. Um, what do you make of the 2FA breach? I pray that didn't happen because if it really did breach, that is freaking terrifying. Two-factor two, two authentication is like literally like the most secure way that people can secure their finances. And if someone's found a way to breach it, man, that's not good. So I'm, I'm hopeful they did not break it. They, they found another way, but uh, not to be too alarmist, but that's freaking terrifying. Yep. There's a lot developing on that one as well. So continue to stay posted. We will try and update you through 
our Twitter feed um, here shortly um, as details come out. The other pieces of information that we want you to be aware of this week is that Uniswap has officially surpassed QuickSwap as the highest volume Polygon DEX. We told you about it, I believe, a week or two ago that Uniswap V3 was going to be officially rolling out on Polygon, and it took them exactly one or two weeks to become the largest DEX on Polygon. Um, it goes to show you that they have a lot of brand loyalty, um, and they're going to continue to be a force. I just hope that they continue to be um, progressive and wanting to take multi-chain steps, because that's where we're headed. Yes. Um, very interesting stuff. Sunday Swap will also be launching here shortly. I believe they launch on the 20th. Um, which is going to be the first Cardano DEX. Very interesting. I really like the team behind that one, and I wish that I had my hands on some Sunday tokens. That is going to be an amazing protocol from what I hear. Um, next piece is Twitter's Ethereum wallet integration is also coming soon. And I want I to really get through this quickly because I know you want to talk about this last piece. And that is that the original Dune graphic novel was purchased by SpiceDAO for an ungodly amount of money. So oh, can you tell me about this story? Because I think people are going to find it hysterical. So this DAO bought the original Dune book for over $2 million. And in their head, they thought when they purchased the original, they were going to have all the rights to Dune. Um, they were vastly mistaken. They came out with three things that they were trying to uh, do. One was to uh, release the original version um, so that people or the world could see it. The second was that they were going to be creating um, some digital assets to then, you know, share the world. And then the third, uh, you know, was some other like developing plans. All the same, they literally spent 10x of what its value was, um, or, or maybe even 20x, and no, 100x, I believe, 100x of of what the value of it was. And they don't have the rights to any of this, so. Ultimately, their grandmaster plan is literally falling on its face, especially with the number one thing they were trying to do was release it to the world. You could literally go on Google right now because it's one of 20 and view the entire original Dune book for free. So it, you know, it doesn't look great. Doesn't look like somebody did enough of their research. And, you know, uh, hopefully they can turn this messy situation into a good situation, but it, it does not look good. Yeah. So the interesting thing to me on it, is that they've now tried to walk back the story a little bit and say that like their their entire intention was to create works based off of the original and to be able to do like original works based off the original series. And the dumb thing is like you don't need the the book then if you you're going to just create original stuff and they went on to say like you know it's because we wanted the visual representations of what the original author had in mind. Guys you just overpaid for a book. <laughs> like, like that's what happened. Um, and that really is going to wrap up Buy, Sell, or Hoddle this week. So if you enjoyed our news or you want to tell us that you want to hear more about um, this Dune controversy with SpiceDAO, let us know by reaching out to us on Twitter. You can, of course, get all that information at the top of the screen or in the episode's show notes. But every Tuesday, we like to get into a segment where we break down a specific topic and help educate the crypto beginners and help them become crypto experts in their own right. And that segment is Crypto Decrypted. Crypto Decrypted. So Crypto Decrypted every single week is where we bring you some education to 
get you a little bit more familiar with what's going on in the cryptoverse so you can be more safe, more secure, and more informed about what you need to look out for and have on your radar in crypto land. This week on Crypto Decrypted, we are going to be breaking down hot wallets. So Rich, why don't you give me a quick um, explainer on what are hot wallets? So hot wallets are crypto wallets that are active in on-chain. So basically, there is a quick way that you basically go in, you put in a button. And if you are trying to like move, for example, on a hot wallet, like we'll get into in a moment, like on a MetaMask, if I wanted to send uh, on my Coinbase Ethereum to my MetaMask, um, I would be able to do that. And then once Ethereum is on my MetaMask, I can immediately go to places like Uniswap or OpenSea or a bunch of other places and immediately use that Ethereum to make purchases. It's hot. It's ready. You can make you can move money very quickly. Um, hot. Uh, cold on the upper side of that, which we're not going to go super into, but just so you have an example, it's, it's slower. It is really off-chain. It's in a more secure place. You have to do a lot more steps to be able to uh, send and move money. Um, and it is a lot more secure. So hot is active ready, um, but not necessarily as um, secure as cold. Yep. The only thing to add on hot wallets is typically they are software-based wallets. So these wallets are loaded into a browser. They're you know loaded onto your computer as a desktop application. Or in some other cases, like if you decide to use a mobile phone as your wallet of choice, you can download Coinbase Wallet from the App Store. You can download Trust Wallet from the App Store. And that will be where you transact within crypto. So uniquely, there are some big drawbacks and also pros to hot wallets. And... I think the biggest of which is this idea that hot wallets are not safe, right? Like that's the typical narrative that you get when you're talking about wallets. And, they, and people like us will always tell you that it's safer to lock down your crypto in a cold wallet like a ledger or an off-chain um, wallet like a, tre- a Trezor or mm-hmm. um, just having it on paper. Those things can make it really secure and safe to be in the world of uh, crypto and blockchain. But Rich, are there ways that hot wallets are actually safe or are there any things that you can do to secure a hot wallet? Oh, 100%. So with a lot of these hot wallets that are out there, which we'll explain some of them later, uh, they have it to where you have to put in a a password uh, to log in and then they'll have a two-factor authentication where you either use like Google Google Authenticator or you use... um, I would not recommend that you use like your phone numbers uh, for like a two-factor. Uh, they also have other authenticator apps, but you have multiple ways to first get into that wallet so that you can then use it and securely uh, send it. So there are definite hot wallets that are out there that can be extremely safe. Yep. The one thing that I will tell you about hot wallets is that what you shouldn't be doing is relying exclusively on them. It's best if like you want to be very agile and say like you want to get into a crypto purchase that is just about to come on the market. You want to be the, one of the first buyers. In that situation, maybe load a little bit of Ethereum onto your hot wallet, but keep everything else in a more secure cold storage. Um, but out there, Rich, there are like, I would say one or two really key players in the wallet space. And the biggest of them is MetaMask. And MetaMask is truly your Swiss Army wallet. Why do I consider it that? 
I consider it the Swiss Army wallet because you have the ability with a MetaMask to plug into it a number of different networks. You have the ability to connect hardware wallets to it and use it as an interface. And you actually have the ability to secure it at a greater degree. So if you go into the MetaMask settings, once you've configured your wallet, which there are tons of videos out there online on how to configure a MetaMask, we're not going to get into that on this specific video. Um, but maybe we will see a basics with Chris K in the near future on how to configure a MetaMask wallet. When you do that, you can go into the advanced settings, you can set up your own password, like Richard was saying earlier, but you can also set up, I believe it's called a secure word in your passphrase, like within the seed phrase of that specific wallet, it acts as the 25th word in the 24 um, word seed phrase. So it allows you to have your own word in there to secure it one step further. Now, if you don't lock that word down and have it in a fireproof safe, and you forget that word and you forget your password, all the money in that wallet is gone. But there are methods to set it up securely like that. But Rich, have you ever done the um, process of setting up a MetaMask as a hardware wallet interface? Um, I have. Um, I've done it for... So one of the cool things also about MetaMask is that you technically can have multiple wallets in the same um, browser, if you will. So um, unlike some other wallets that are out there where once you basically get your base wallet that you interact on, um, you're not really able to create multiple accounts on top of it. What's really cool, again, going back to the Swiss Army wallet of MetaMask is that you can have um, multiple wallets um, within your particular MetaMask uh, wallet, which is really cool. So I once for one of my MetaMask wallets set up my hardware wallet interface. And what that does is essentially is a bridge. So it's for my personal ledger, um, which I have everything securely before I can move any money, I have to physically have my ledger connected to my computer and then also have it to where um, I'm confirming it on my ledger before the money is sent out. So it's just another layer of security to make sure that whatever money is being sent is 100% myself. And I'm doing these extra steps to ensure that the money cannot be sent without physically having uh, my ledger on me. Yeah, the interesting thing to me on that one is always the fact that what you can do to ensure this security is you can start up or spin up your own MetaMask in the browser, do a clean boot, and then close, close out your browser, make sure everything is logged out, and then go into your Ledger Live with a ledger, create a brand new um, Ethereum address if you're using the Ethereum network, and then go back into MetaMask once you boot the um, browser back up and once you have the new address validated. And you can connect that wallet through MetaMask so that essentially none of this data, none of your private key information, none of your seed phrase is ever held in MetaMask. So it's only the way that you actually interface with something like OpenSea or Uniswap. To me, that's the most secure way to use a MetaMask. And even to like basically have a more secure mechanism in your hot wallet because you can have a secondary address just like you just said. Now, we started touching on this idea of hot wallets for different ecosystems. And it's really important to understand that 
with a lot of these wallets, I'm sorry, with a lot of these ecosystems, you may need a specific wallet. But in some other circumstances, you can actually configure a MetaMask, the Swiss Army um, wallet, to work on these networks by configuring a custom RPC network. Now, as we go through this list, I want to make sure that you understand, you can use a MetaMask on most of them. The only one that I don't believe you can use it on is Solana. And I may be wrong about that. So please do a little bit of research. See if you can configure a custom wallet with MetaMask. But Richard, tell me real quick before we get into this, is MetaMask still your preferred hot wallet? Yes, by far. Um, Especially because a lot of the transactions that I do uh, relate to being needing to be like on a browser. So having to flip on my phone from like an app to app and like having to do everything is a lot more steps and like it's a lot more to do. Um, whereas with being on my computer and just having it in the browser, pressing a button and then it drops down, I have all the information I need. Great. Or if I just need to switch um, interfaces, like you said, for different ecosystems, um, MetaMask allows you to quickly do that. So, I mean, of course, its base is Ethereum. Um, it later added Binance Smart Chain. It added Polygon, um, Matic. It's added um, Avalanche, I believe. Um, they're still working on Solana and Cosmos. I could definitely fact check me on that. But um, but even for those in particular, there are other wallets that are just as good and um, can be you know pretty quickly accessible. So the reason why I actually don't have Polkadot and Cosmos in here, Rich, is because from what I understand, the IBC protocols and the ones that are truly interoperable, they are a little bit more complex in the way that they operate. So they actually cannot yet be integrated into MetaMask and a lot of these other typical hot wallets. Oftentimes, you need a specific like um, JS or Solidity, not Solidity. Is, is Polkadot on Solidity or Substrate? Solidity. Yeah, so Polkadot runs on a program, programming le- language called Solidity. And they have a very specific Solidity-developed Polkadot wallet that they recommend using that works in browser, but it stores everything on your computer. For me, I just didn't want to get into all the complicated stuff like that today. I would rather get into what a hot wallet really looks like for the modern consumer. Yep. So... Um, As we dive into this, just keep that in mind that many of these can be using MetaMask. First up, let's look at Ethereum and Polygon. The two that we want to point out to you here are Trust Wallet and Coinbase Wallet. Rich, do you have any experience with either of these two? Both of them. Uh, So I have both the Trust Wallet and the Coinbase Wallet. Um, Personally, not a huge fan of the Coinbase Wallet. It works just fine. Um, But I feel like there are a lot of other wallets out there that... um, perform better. Um, Trust Wallet is basically a great on-ramping to a lot of different cryptos that are out there and, and is, has a lot of flexibility with different crypto ecosystems. So for a lot of the newbies out there, if you don't know, um, a lot of these cryptos are on different ecosystems. So like imagine Apple trying to talk to um, Google Android and then also like trying to talk to a Microsoft. bunch of other stuff. Microsoft, like they don't all talk and play nice on purpose. Um, crypto is kind of the same thing. They're trying to be more interoperable and play a little nicer, but we're, we're not there just yet. And that's why a lot of these ecosystems are trying to create interoperability. So uh, I think Trust Wallet is one that does a really good job with capturing a lot of different ecosystems out there. As I look at the two on screen um, that we're getting into here, I think the Trust Wallet is my preferred of the two. And it goes twofold. First of all, um, 
I prefer Trust Wallet because Coinbase Wallet one time screwed me over and took the handle away from me that I actually had taken. <laughs> um, it was a moment where I finally had secured an at Stephen Miller. And all of a sudden, Coinbase logged me out and I couldn't get back in because they require you to log down, uh, take down your seed phrase. And I hadn't yet. Um, so that was frustrating. And I don't like Coinbase Wallet for that reason. But the reason that I really actually prefer Trust Wallet instead of my petty bullshit is because on Trust Wallet, to your point, the on-ramping is so seamless. It is probably the easiest wallet to on-ramp your fiat currency from your bank to then go and immediately purchase crypto. Yeah. I loved that about it. I thought that made the experience fantastic. That being said, I don't use it much. I used it for the one transaction that I had to do to get um, BNB for something that you and I were investing in. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Ever since then, I haven't touched it. And also, while we're getting into the topic of BNB and Binance, let's talk about the ecosystem that I don't use at all. So... <laughs> Richard, what has your experience been with Binance Chain? Do you use either of these two wallets, Math Wallet or BSC Wallet? Um, I do not use either of these wallets. Uh, luckily, um, handy dandy, um, MetaMask has a way to set it up to where uh, BSC is an option. Uh, but I do not, I have not used either of these wallets. Do you have any experience with those? So, as I said, I just want to make sure this disclaimer is out there. I hate Binance. I think that everything about it's terrible. And I'm going to voice that until the cows come home. But I do not interface with their network. Understand that disclaimer. That being said, I do have experience using Math Wallet. Math Wallet is an interoperable wallet, much in the same way that Trust Wallet is known as an interoperable wallet. I think Math Wallet is actually a really, really underrated platform right now. Um, worth looking at. I think their technology is really sound. Um, and they have a lot of respect of like crypto OGs. So I would keep an eye on that one for sure. Now, in the Avalanche ecosystem, we typically would recommend going with their wallet, the Avalanche wallet. Because in Avalanche's ecosystem, there are actually three different chains that are all running in tandem. It's almost like they're wrapping around like a, a double helix, but in this case, a triple. So on Avalanche, you have the X chain, you have the C chain, and I believe you have the E chain. And to transact in the normal sense, you're using the C chain. So with the C chain, you can actually configure your MetaMask to work on the C chain. So you don't need to worry about you know, the X or the E chain that an Avalanche wallet would normally allow you to handle. But if you want the full network access, we recommend Avalanche wallet. If you're just going to use the C chain, like Richard and I degenerately do, um, you can, of course, configure for Avalanche's network using MetaMask. Now, I want to give you the floor for the next one because I know very little about the Solana ecosystem. Yes. Um, and also, I just don't want to. Um, Solana's great. Uh, for anyone out there wondering, uh, transactions are super fast and super cheap. Um, anyway, two great wallets out there. Uh, the first one I ever had was uh, the Soleil. It was like, um, which is like one of the first ones that was active out there. It's user interface isn't awesome. Um, it's it's kind of rough around the edges. Um, but Phantom, Phantom wallet is great. Um, you can use it both as a wallet like on your phone. You can also put it as a um, browser extension um, into your uh, website. And uh, again, it's it, it's secure. You have to put in a password every single time before you get on there. Um, you can put multiple wallets kind of like MetaMask where you can have like multiple different accounts within uh, your account. 
And yeah, I've had great experiences with with Phantom. So big, big fan of the the Phantom wallet for the Solana ecosystem. Yeah, I I personally would recommend Phantom based on every single positive interaction you've told me about it. Uh, but what I would like to do is poll our audience here. So if you can do me a favor in the um, comments or in the chat, let us know whether you think that the second wallet is pronounced solid or if it's pronounced Soleil. Because I personally think that Richard is so wrong. Um, <laughs> let's, let's go ahead and talk about Cardano because that's the rising ecosystem right now. And in my opinion, the safest way to operate on Cardano is with the Daedalus wallet. That is something that you will load specifically onto your computer if you want to use it. It is not a light wallet, meaning that like it is a hard... Uh, it's, a, it's not a hot wallet in the traditional sense, but it is loaded on your computer. I personally use for my hot wallet in the Cardano ecosystem, Giro Wallet. And I got to tell you, their interface may be the best interface of a hot wallet I've used to date. I think that they are really doing some novel stuff in the um, in the browser extension for Giro Wallet. Worth keeping an eye on, especially because Cardano's ecosystem is about to get a very, very big upgrade here shortly once they have exchanges live. So before we wrap this one up, Rich, are there any final, I guess, lessons you want to leave with our audience about what they need to consider when they're using hot wallets? As you get into the space, uh, security is always going to be very important. Uh, you are your own bank. And unfortunately, if things go wrong, it's on you. So therefore, knowing things like this and understanding how to move your money, how to keep it secure and how to be able to get on these different exchanges, DEXs, platforms, etc. to get the cryptos that you want. Um, you have to learn how to use the different available wallets uh, for, for, for storing your crypto. So hot wallets are a really great way to start um, and, and to get involved. But even after you use them, make sure that you are always being on top of how to securely keep your um, cryptos safe. So um, I'll leave it at that. Anything else you got? The one final note that I will tell you is while hot wallets are great, buy a cold wallet, get a ledger. This is going to save you so many more times than you will ever imagine. It's great to run it through a MetaMask, but what's even better is getting a second ledger so that you can have a backup of your first. Just protect yourself, protect your assets. This is your future of being unbanked. But that's going to do it for Crypto Decrypted. If you enjoyed this segment, please let us know. If there's some other segment that you want us to cover going into the future that you want to understand better that we can provide a little bit more insight on, let us know in the comments or get at us on Twitter. You can reach Richard at Richard Carthon or you can get at me at Stephen Miller Phoenix. Actually, it's at Steve Miller underscore PHX. How can I forget my own handle? Do better, bro. God, I need to do better, man. <laughs> All right. For our final segment today, like we do every single Tuesday, we wrap up with a segment called Blockchain Bets, where we give you our picks for the week in a specific category. Let's jump into it. Blockchain Bets. So for those of you that know our crypto uh, current live program, you'll know by now that every Tuesday, our final segment is always Blockchain Bets, where we give you three picks each on a specific topic. Earlier on this month, we gave you our top picks for January. The second week of the month, we gave you our top NFT picks for January. But this week, we wanted to go with something different because the market's been turbulent. It's been painful at times. Frankly, if you hold time, you're 
kind of really scared. But the big thing that you need to keep in mind is that there are ways to plan for the future and still take advantage of down markets. And that's why this week we're talking about storing wealth and really creating a safer huddle bag as opposed to getting into higher risk degenerate assets. So Richard, tell me about what your pick would be for a storing wealth coin. Um, I think as it relates to your cryptos, it's only one of two choices, but as it relates right now, it's Ethereum. Um, if you look at price stability compared between like Bitcoin and Ethereum of late, ETH has been pretty steady. And the main reason is just because the ecosystem is being used so much, especially around the world of NFTs. I think was it 90% of all NFT purchases was in Ethereum. ETH is being used. Its use case, its gas, like all these things that also like aren't the best, especially as we talk about gas, it's still being used. Still being used, still paying outrageous fees. But like the point is, is that it is becoming more stable because it's being utilized so much. So for that, again, um, a great huddle bag st- store of value for me. Um, you know, it's, it's either going to be between Ethereum and Bitcoin in my choice. And like right now for me, um, I, I, it's ETH. I think it has like, it's, it's going to be a safer place and it's going to be a, a lot more upside as well into the future. And that's why I made that choice. Yeah, and I think it's a it's a perfectly fine choice because you're right. The only other choice as a true store of wealth right now is Bitcoin, right? I was talking with my buddy Bryce this morning about it. And the reality that very few people acknowledge is that Bitcoin really has become a safe haven. Um, if you look at like the situation, if you bought the absolute top in 2017 and you're all of a sudden screwed and you watch it go all the way down to 3,000 at the low point, if you just hold your Bitcoin long term and you look at it now, you're 3x where you bought it originally. Makes that you know drop down 17,000 hurt a little bit less. But the bigger truth behind owning Bitcoin and truly utilizing it as a store of wealth long term is the fact that why would you ever hold any of your money in your safe, um, not in your safe, in your safety... Um, what am I trying to say here? I'm, ta- I'm trying to talk about the account at your bank where savings. it's all secure. Your savings. Thank you. Wow, words are hard. Um, if you have a savings account, you're making 0.01% interest for every dime that you hold in that savings account. With Bitcoin, if you were to just save that money in Bitcoin and let Bitcoin appreciate, and you're not touching that savings account money anyway, it's a much smarter idea to have your money in Bitcoin because you're going to outpace a 0.01% interest payment on the long term by orders of magnitude. So to me, I would like to store my wealth in either of these two. But I think for that reason alone, especially for those of you that are listening that may be more risk averse, I would choose Bitcoin every time. But let's move into this next grouping. This next grouping is our picks and shovels. So When we are mentioning picks and shovels, we're talking about the idea that in this crypto gold rush, if you will, the wild west of crypto, every single person that is trying to take advantage of the plays are going to play more degenerate picks. But there are going to be certain picks that actually provide utility for the entire ecosystem and actually provide tools that every single player out there is going to utilize. One of the ones that comes to mind is Chainlink. That's not either of our picks. 
but it's just important to understand that the idea here is, is that Chainlink as an Oracle is providing data to all of these different platforms. So we're going to give you our two picks for picks and shovels. Rich, what is your pick and shovel? My pick is Helium. And I know I brought it up on the show a few times now. And the reason why I'm still sticking with Helium is even though it's had some price fluctuation, it got up to its all-time high of 50 um, and it's retraced back down to 30. But what the Helium ecosystem is one of the fastest growing ecosystems out there between miners, what they have going with 5G, um, what they're trying to bring now into the Wi-Fi space, what they already have like established. Like Helium is one for me that I strongly believe it's not going anywhere, period, um, in the long run. And if anything, has nothing but upside for price appreciation, especially because they're having events happen every two years. And you're constantly, for the mining and everything else they have going on to keep making sense, even the people that are staking and validating, price has to keep appreciating to keep up with the pace that is set. So I, I think this is not a bad place as the ecosystem of, of building networks and building lower end and eventually trying to figure out how to incorporate what they're doing into other specifics and comms. Um, they're going to figure it out. And it's it's not a bad place to be um, just hodling and, 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 and building your bag of h which I also am, am presently doing. So um, h and is my pick and shovel. Yeah, I like the pick a lot. Um, I, I personally think there's no better play right now in um, connectivity. So definitely one to watch. My pick and shovel play is going to be Engine. I'm a really firm believer personally that the metaverse is the future, whether you want to splice it up the way that you know pop culture wants you to believe it is, or if you want to go the full length of sci-fi, I think it's coming. I think it's actually going to be a massive part of the way economies work in the future. And to get to metaverse, you have to understand that gaming is actually a very natural step. So as we make this transition into the metaverse, Gaming is going to need a lot of infrastructure, a lot of tools, and a lot of support. And the biggest player in that game right now is Engine. There is no bigger player. They are creating the tools for many of these gaming coins and tokens and platforms and providing more, let's just say, flexibility. They now have the Affinity token that is basically their equivalent over on Polkadot, which is going to allow for them to become more interoperable. They're going to be everywhere. They're going to have their hands in the gaming ecosystems on every single chain. So to me, I personally want to take them as my pick and shovel play because they're going to be continually empowering gaming going forward. Now, for our last category, we're talking stable ground. I never thought for a second that we would be ranking or betting on a stable coin. Now, allow me to just go ahead and discern something for our audience. We are not telling you that the value of these stable coins is going to appreciate. No. They won't. They will not. So we're more so saying, if you need to put your money into the US dollar or into what the world um, sees as the global reserve currency, these are our picks for what are most stable, where you should be holding your money um, in preparation for when the market goes down and you can redeploy these assets. So Richard, what is your pick for stable ground? So my choice is going to be USDC. Um, so this is the stable coin, uh, very popular here in the States. And also it's backed by uh, Circle. Um, Circle's making a huge headway in the space and 
allowing ways that you can onboard these stable coins into all of the various ecosystems from Ethereum, Avalanche, Solana, Polygon, and, and several others, and uh, have been working directly with uh, uh, people in the States, uh, aka the government and everybody else to keep everybody happy and make sure everything's good to go. So if you were going to um, take some profits, and but you don't necessarily want to cash out and you want to just be um, liquid and ready to be able to buy back in on some different projects that either you've been looking at or um, et cetera, and you just want it to be in a stable coin um, that feels pretty good. I personally um, am a big fan of USDC. And there's, you know, even if you're going to be letting it sit, there's places where you can go stake it and let it earn some APY while you wait. So um, a lot of unique ways to do that. And again, um, we're not saying that these stable coins are going to appreciate in value. We're, we are not saying that. We're saying if you're looking for a way to park your money and not like have whatever um, gains that you have made depreciate because you want to take some of those gains and like let it just sit. You want it to be stable and have it at a place that you don't have to worry about it being rug pulled or all of a sudden all your stable coins are gone. USDC is a great place to look. And while on some level I agree with you, I think that it's important to understand at the same time that Products like USDC and USDT and even there's one more, isn't it Paxos USD? No, Paxos works too. Yeah, Paxos. Yeah, Paxos. So Paxos USD as well. They are all centralized stablecoins. So technically speaking, if regulators come in and decide, yeah, we're not going to let you have stablecoins, they're going to be the first ones to take a massive hit and get cut out of the equation. That's going to do a lot of damage. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying that I personally don't want to get wrapped up in that and I'd rather protect my downside. That means to me, I need a decentralized stablecoin, something that is truly decentralized, but still backed up by the US dollar's value. And to me, there's nothing easier to do than that than UST. UST, for those that don't know, is the stablecoin that is used on the Terra ecosystem. UST is directly correlated to Terra as I've come to understand it. And basically the supply of it and its overall market cap is determined by the fluctuation and correlation it has, algorithmically speaking, with Terra. Now, that's a lot of words and it's very complicated for somebody who's a beginner. I'm going to sum it up for you really quick. If the government rug pulls all stablecoins that are grounded in the states, they can't touch UST because it's it's based in South Korea. Um, the guy who is the founder of Terra, Do Kwon, has had multiple summons by the US government. And because he's not a US citizen, he literally can throw them in the trash. So there are a ton of people using Terra. And I do not believe in the slightest that the U.S. government can rug pull on the entire Terra ecosystem and Terra UST out of the picture. Um, So that is my pick for stable ground. But I want to give one quick honorable mention because I wouldn't be a total crypto anarchist without mentioning magic internet money. I nearly picked magic internet money um, because I believe that it really is a decentralized stable coin. Um, But... I decided that it was a little bit smarter to play something that can be respected. Um, No offense to Magic Internet Money at all. 
Um, well, look, that's going to wrap up blockchain bets. Um, these are our picks for the week in terms of what you can get into when the markets are turbulent and when you need to store a little bit of your coin longer term where it will be safe. But we have one final thing to do before we go. And that, of course, is to tell you what to watch for in the week ahead. What to watch for. So in what to watch for, we always like to just break down for you what is coming up from us over here at CryptoCurrent and what's going on in the wild world of crypto in the week ahead. This past week, we had a lot of really great interviews, but we have two fantastic interviews this week that we want to bring to your attention. Richard, who do we have on the show yesterday? Man, so yesterday, man, we've had an amazing, an amazing, an amazing, an amazing speaker, um, Justin Caswell, on enabling connectivity with the future. Speaking about Revify, so Revify is, I mean, it's not necessarily competing with a Helium, but what they're trying to can do is provide decentralized Wi-Fi. So um, instead of you having to use a, a carrier like an AT&T, a Cox, etc., um, you would be able to have this decentralized Wi-Fi and now you can go anywhere and have Wi-Fi and also be earning um, the native token while utilizing the Wi-Fi. So it's really cool, um, pretty intricate. The guy has a ton of background in the space. Uh, you know, a really cool conversation to go check out and see how you potentially get involved in that ecosystem. And this upcoming Friday, we have Alex uh, Masharoff with uh, XPX, um, which is working on decentralized index funds. So if you're familiar with like traditional finance and are familiar with um, how index funds work, um, they are bringing that to crypto and are doing it in a really unique and cool way. So um, recommend checking that out when it drops on Friday. Awesome. Well, look, that's going to wrap it up for us this week, guys. If you enjoyed this episode of Cryptocurrent Live, please get at us on Twitter. You can, of course, contact me at Steve Miller underscore PHX. You can get it Richard at Richard Carthon. Otherwise, please do us a favor. Make sure that you leave a comment on the YouTube version of this um, recording. And then also make sure you follow us wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We will see you next time. Make sure that you stay cryptocurrent. Cryptocurrent.